Welcome back to Ope, a podcast, episode 35. I'm one of your hosts, Jason. And I am Griffin. And absent today is Laurence Guider and Wyatt Okers, our other co-host. I know for all of our fans, you are very disappointed that our other hosts aren't here. Uh, I profusely apologize. Uh, they are all they're they're both still in school, uh, reading or writing essays at this time. How dare they do educational things? I know, right? I know. And then Griff and I are adulting, working Monday to Friday jobs, pretty much. <laughs> and sometimes the weekends. Yeah, and Griff is in South Dakota, and I'm in Minnesota. <laughs> I'll be back soon. Very soon. But awesome. Well, everyone, welcome back to another podcast. Today we have a, I'd say, a bit of a jam-packed uh, episode tonight. Uh, we'll be recapping our victory versus the Miami of Ohio Red Hawks that we played last week. Um, few feedback on that game and then move on to preview our next opponent which is our second non-conference game of the season or third game overall in the season is the Co University of Colorado Buffaloes or the Buffs over in the uh, mountain region um, and then other takes and other things to touch, about, touch on in the Gopher sports world so uh, let's go on and recap our game versus uh, Miami of Ohio. Um, to say the least, it was not a it was a stressful game as any Minnesota fan I would say. Uh, we won thirty one to twenty six um, at home, and just to get started, Wyatt left us some show notes, so I'll read that off first. For the record, per Wyatt. I don't think the scoreboard reflects how we played last week. I think looking at the halftime score, you get a sense of what we're capable of. And watching the second half, you can see PJ looking ahead and getting Potts confidence by handing him the ball is the best way to really commit to the next man up mentality. Most season is done, so we need Potts ready to go. And PJ committed to that last week. And then he gave his score, which uh, we will win the game 23-21 to 21 in Colorado. Um, so dissect that show notes there, Griff. Um, I I agree. When I was at the game, I saw the halftime score of uh, 21-3 or 21-7. And I thought, okay, as long as the Gophers keep on, like, the foot on the gas, keep the run game going, kill clock, kill time, I think we win the game. And, of course, when you and I saw the game way later while I was taking pictures and you were just, you know, doing your own thing, that score was way closer at the end there, 31 to 26. Um, and mind you, we, even though we still had time of possession at 32 and a half minutes versus uh, Miami's 27 and a half that entire game. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that was kind of scary. Um, obviously, me just following updates uh, got kind of difficult, but after the game... I've this past week I've been watching as many highlights as I can to try and get what I can get out of that game. And basically what I got out of it was it was Minnesota's running game versus Miami of Ohio's receiving core. Cause yep. we had pots with 178 yards and Miami's receiving core had 237. Like, like it was basically like, who's going to win that matchup. And it seems like most of Miami's passing happened in the second half um, on their comeback. 
And part of me is thinking that why have is our defensive line not getting pressure? Uh, I feel like that was supposed to be kind of like our strength this year. It's like, okay, we got Chad Wilt um, coming in to help the defense. We have um, a lot of stars. MJ Anderson. Yeah. We have MJ Anderson. We got Braylon Oliver. We got Boye Mafe. Like, how are we not pressuring the quarterback at all? I don't, have we even recorded so, a sack this year? Um, I really don't think we have. Not much. So here's what happened when I was at the game. So when I wasn't taking pictures for our great University of Minnesota marching band, great people, great organization that Griffin and I and the rest of the hosts uh, were part of. Um, a lot of b- missed opportunities, I will say. Like, the defense get the pressure, but then there's a hole. I think there's no spy. Like, there's no linebacker or safety in the box to keep an eye on the court because uh, Brett, uh, what the hell was his name? Um, their starting quarterback, Brett something, and then their back quarterback, A.J. Mayer, had opportunities to run. Like, they got first downs or made a play with their legs. So essentially, they, we didn't play QB contain. And when we did play QB contain, our pass rush couldn't get pressure. And then we get, we throw to, they throw to an open receiver with our defensive backs like five yards off of that receiver. Um, that's what, at least when I looked around, looked at the play of the game, and I'm, you know, I'm pulling my hair out in, in, in the stands. I'm like, how are you blowing this coverage? And I know we have some new guys on the defensive backside. But come on, Tyler Newbin, Jordan Howden, and Coney Durr, this is not something you guys normally do. Um, that's what I've noticed. Like when we do get a, a, a pass or pressure, the quarterback just made plays with his legs. Or when we when he when we do contain him or keep him in the pocket, he just they just make good passes um, in the pocket. You know, I think at the collegiate level, like wide receivers, if you made it that far, you're obviously really good, right? And you have defensive backs that are argue, arguably playing the most difficult position in the game, right? Like it's it's hard to go one-on-one against someone and you have um, you can't necessarily always run side-by-side because they're running different routes. Yep. Uh, but at the same time, not even the best defense in college football can't contain every single receiver, but that's why you have, you have a defensive line that pressures a quarterback to either A, make a bad throw, make an errant throw, throw it to maybe not their best option, but because they're limited to a certain side of the field that they're running on. And I think that's where we're missing. I don't, I don't, maybe it's just me because I couldn't see a bunch of the highlights or I couldn't see most of the game. Was it really blown coverage or was it decent enough coverage where if we had defensive line pressure, the DBs and could, could have made a play. Yeah. And I don't know. That's just me asking Um, maybe you as you kind of watch more of the game. Yeah, again, I'm not sure because where I was, of course, you know where the band sits, the pride pride pit or like those that general seating in the student section, it's not a great angle, like for side to side, like from end zone to end zone. So maybe my perspective may be skewed because I think it's closer to each other than I think it is. But um, again, we'll have to review the tape, but I – I just don't know, man. Like the defense, I I think we're it's still throwing us aside to get pressure right now. Still, um, as for defense, which I know it's, defense has been uh, some of our struggles lately. Like you know, we you know we had a great 
like three quarters of a game against Ohio State and it had a great, I'd say, first half against Miami of Ohio. Um, the other thing that concerns me was our passing game. You know, Tanner Morgan was only 8 of 17 for 112 yards and two touchdowns uh, with Dalen Wright being our lead receiver with three receptions and 73 yards and one touchdown. But that does not explain the narrative because what I saw that day too, passing game was just iffy. Like I have no idea why. Like Dalen dropped a lot of passes. Daniel Jackson and Mike Brown Stevens also had similar situations as drop passes. And I think, I don't know if it's just jitters from them or not, but again, a good chunk of drop passes from our entire receiver core. And you can certainly tell that missing crab, Chris Oppenbell, is also prevalent. Like I think Taron doesn't have his next go-to receiver. If Crab is back and he's like the alpha, and I, then I can totally see Dalen uh, and Daniel just having a day against any defense. But that game, that was rough, especially the second half uh, on the wide receiver core. Yeah, I'd love to go back to uh, the drills PJ was doing with, um, you know, like the Nebraska games. Like, okay, we know it's going to be ugly. We know um, we're going to – and now we now we have to do drills with you – put, you're putting your hands in cold water or you're putting the footballs in ice, like whatever – he's doing they need to do some of those drills they need yeah. or they need stick them on their hands i don't care yeah no so here's the full stats in the receiving game here griff dalen wright three receptions 73 yards daniel jackson four receptions for 30 yards and then our boy brevin span four with only one reception for nine yards um too bad they don't list the targets that each player got on the receiving game but um yeah, only three receivers caught balls that game. That you look at uh, Miami, Ohio, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players made receiving plays uh, or received the ball that day. Um, and the only reason why I think we won the game was because we capitalized on turnovers. Like we got a fumble on the quarterback, Brett Gabbert. There, there's his name, Gabbert. And then uh, Tyler Newbold. Or Terrell yep. Smith picked them off as well, so that so we like by w taking that turnover, we changed the dynamics of the game, and then um, who, who's our and Bucky Irvin uh, or Marquise Irvin, but they, he goes by Bucky or they call him Bucky, made a great forty-three yard return on at the kickoff to get the Gophers to midfield to then get put us in better position to seal the game as well. Um, yeah. I wish this offense had a little bit of a different flair to them this year, but it kind of just seems similar to last year. Yeah. Cause I know, I know we were kind of talking last year. It's like, we want to see Brevin span forward. We're all trying to get on the Brevin span forward hype train. Like this is going to be his breakout year, but what's this year four at this point? You're, you're fine. I lost track. God, I think he, he I think he's currently a junior. Rest so I think he's yeah, yeah. But man, I don't know. This, I don't. Yeah, I I feel like I want more from the offense. And the first half of the game, Griff, I will say, they're Dalen Wright and Daniel Jackson were catching play, catching balls with the slant, like our go-to route and play for this offense and then 
I don't know why the second half, those same slants did not work. Like they were dropping passes. Um, some were near interceptions as well. Um, I just don't know about the offense, man. Like I'm happy for, uh, I'm happy for one guy. Trey Potts is our new number one running back. Again, he had he feasted that day, especially in the fourth quarter. But other than that, I'm worried about the depth behind him because you and I have seen Trey Potts' career uh, so far, at least last season, injury uh, injury ridden. I will say, like I, I hate to say it, but he did get injured. You know, if he didn't stay healthy, we had a, someone behind has to step up. Mm-hmm. And Cam Wiley and Bryce Williams struggled mightily uh, this game. Well, but- to be fair, yeah, yes, they did, but I also they've they only combined for five carries, true, for negative two yards. So it's kind of a small sample size, but at the same time, we've I mean we've seen Bryce Williams. He scored against Wisconsin Twice. when we won the axe. We've we've seen Cam Wiley. We've seen both of them make plays. Yeah, but someone needs to someone needs to inspire this team. I don't know who it's going to be. I'm really missing well, that. I'm we really... need that natural leader to emerge. Yeah. On on both offense or defense, we need the Antoine Winfield Juniors of the team. Yeah. I'm really missing that pair in the spare days. And we had Shannon Rodney and Kobe McRae, or the next season, uh, Rodney, uh, Mo, and Shannon. Like, oh, I miss that even more. <laughs> But um, other than that, I will note one more player. Our kicker made all of his damn kicks. Hallelujah. Okay, so he made one fifty-yarder. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so okay, Matthew was yeah one for one on field goals at fifty yards. And then four for four on extra points, so to- combining for seven points this game. So he pretty much got us a touchdown extra point on his own right. <laughs> so basically, the Gophers have found a kicker. Is that is that what you're saying? Yes, I think so. Uh, he is a transfer though, so I'm I, I hope we don't lose him, uh, or I hope we don't lose him too quickly. Um, well, if he goes from Kent State to Minnesota, that's a pretty big jump. Yes, it is. But um, I think that's all I had on the Miami game. I think it was a very rough game. Um, like Wyatt said, I think this team is better than they think they are, or they're capable of pl- winning games the way we do things. Uh, I agree with that. It's just, there are some ugly moments in this game that I did not like to see or didn't wa- uh, or d- wasn't happy to see. So I'd say I'll take the win. You know, dubs don't come easily uh, as we talked last in the podcast. So I'll take the win. But it says this team needs to get better uh, every game moving forward, too. Absolutely, especially if they're going up against Colorado, who uh, almost nearly upset number five Texas A&M. Yep, and uh, that's to our next preview here. We are playing uh, University of Colorado Buffaloes. Uh, They're currently first in the Pac-12 South, um, but I think because it's still early season. Um, But... So here's some key things. So they are, their record right now is they're one and one. Their first game won thirty five to seven against the University of Northern Colorado, and then their second game, which was a loss to number five Texas A and M, but they only lost seven to ten. And Texas, like they all, like from what I saw in the little film I saw, 
Texas, uh, not Texas, Buffalo has the Buffaloes have a very stingy defense and an offense. Like they, they will, they make very little mistakes. Like if, if they get a chance, they'll do their part and score and then win via defense. And they like the rushing game for what I've heard. So um, that's all I know about the uh, Buffaloes. But overall, looking ahead at the game, ESPN's FPI has us winning 40%, um, favoring the Buffaloes 60%. Uh, the spread currently is uh, minus three, favoring uh, Colorado. Uh, money line at Gophers is plus 125, and the over-under is 48 and a half for this game. And we're playing in Boulder. So the ball's going to be traveling a little bit farther. Yep. It's, you know, I wouldn't, you wouldn't think that the spread would be th- only three when you can look at the points allowed per game for both teams and the Gophers is at 35 and a half and Colorado's is at 8.5. Yeah. I, I'd say that number is sort of skewed because. Oh, 100% skewed. Yeah. And I think. ESPN's FBI takes that into account uh, with the points allowed per game. Um, so some key stats. So uh, Colorado's leading quarterback, um, Brendan Lewis, is currently a 23 of 40 for the season, 191 yards, uh, one touchdown, and one interception. Uh, their lead rusher is Jarek Broussard, or Broussard. Uh, Broussard, um, 27 carries, 145 yards total with two touchdowns. And then their lead receiver is Daniel Arias, or Aria, uh, at three receptions for 37 yards. So in terms of stats-wise, their receivers and uh, their offense doesn't, like, you know, explode to us. Um, but it, it, their offense reminds me of, like, a Mitch I, – I, I hate – I don't want to say this name, but the Mitch Leitner kind of offense, like their quarterback – is you know sort of limited but he has experience to make plays and will make dumb and will make dumb decisions um typically um but other than that uh both teams have high total yards gophers at 347 and a half and then colorado 321 and a half um of course gophers is very uh pretty even 189 on rushing uh and then 159 ish on passing Versus Buffaloes, uh, the Buffaloes at 226 rushing and 95 and a half passing. So they're yeah, very, so the, very rush heavy. We will like, see a lot of Joe Rossi dialed up defense with eight, nine players probably in the box. Yep. And maybe like oh, like co- cover one safety as well. Probably. Yep. I think this will be the first game though where we'll see. Minnesota finally get their first sack. Fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. Um, other than that, anything else about the Buffaloes that you know? I know you're heading into town there for the Saturday's game. I am indeed. Um, I mean, just kind of looking at Brendan Lewis. Was it Brendan? Yeah, Brendan Lewis. 6'2", 225, freshman. Low, low quarterback rating. Maybe this is the battle of low QBRs Never mind. for this game. I thought he was a veteran quarterback. <laughs> no, he is a freshman. But it looks dual threat. And 
at 6'2", 225. Maybe he's not. But um, I look at him, and Fine. if he starts if he starts running, then the Gopher defense is screwed. Yep. Very concerned about that. But other than that, yeah. I, I think overall, like you said, I think this could be a game of us putting guys in the box, trying to stop the run, not let their quarterback, um, you know, beat beat us with his legs and make them beat us with their passing game, I think. And then for the Gophers, I like us to rush with Trey as much as we like to. But what I want to see is more consistency in the passing game. Like, can I see less drop passes in the last game? Like, I just need, like, maybe I'll give you, I'll give each player up to two drop passes, maybe one, and then do better from there. <laughs> um, like, you know, I maybe Dalen Wright can give us a slant route, catch the ball, and just run it to the house, to the to end zone. Like, Ty Johnson and Rashad Bateman, please. <laughs> or Brevin Spain forward. Or one, or uh, run a wheel route or something, and go up and contest some of these catches. Give us Philly, Philly. Ooh, wouldn't think, that be something? I think someone. Hey, actually, hang on. I think someone last game did that. Let me double check the box score. Nope, never mind. Not this game. Yep, I stand corrected. That's not correct, but, um. For this game, uh, why we all you you and I and Wyatt said we're going to say we're going to win this game. Wyatt gave his prediction. He s- says we're not going to cover the spread. So, uh, or wait, do we? Uh, if we say cover, is that for the Gophers plus three or no? Colorado. Okay. So, Wyatt says has us winning twenty three twenty one. Um, I am going to say. 31 to 27. It's going to be a close game, but I think we're going to go 31, 27, 31, 28 ish. Ooh. Spread is three. Let's go. Oof, I don't know. Uh, we'll make it similar to uh, the last game score. Let's go th- Gophers 30, Colorado 26. Okay. We are putting those kickers to work. <laughs> Matthew Trickett better be perfect for his field, gore, uh, field goals <laughs> that day. <laughs> He's going to go hopefully three for three. And I hope we don't... Like sprain his groin or something, or hammies. <laughs> um, perfect. So let's move on to other items. So first of all, uh, I brought this for the show today, Griffin. Like to give a shout out to our friends. Okay, it won't fit. Hang on. Like to give a shout out to a friend at Rutgers. Uh, shout out to Molly. Uh, when Griffin and I went to Rutgers two years ago. Wow, two years ago. Uh, 
when we came to the Gopher game, we traded some Gopher merch, uh, a Gopher marching band hat, the stuff, and we got some Rutgers gear too. And shout out to Molly. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Molly on the banks of the old Raritan. Yes, but uh, <laughs> dude, they're two and zero right now. About to go three. Uh, expected to go three and zero. It's and, the Shiano effect, man. Isn't that insane? Yeah, and they're go. Well, they're three and zero, or they're two and zero right now. About to be, uh, hopefully three and zero. But if they win their next game, they're going to be undefeated. Uh, no, they're going to be—they'll be undefeated so far, and they just need to win three games to be bowl eligible. And Rutgers has missed a bowl game for a very long time. I think like what the Chris Ash era—they didn't—they never went bowling. I think, um, ever. So, if they can do that and get bowl eligibility, that puts—I think Rutgers is on the right path because their defense is actually very stingy. When I saw their film, of course, their offense is still shaky. Like they're splitting time of, I think, with Noah Bedrill and I think another quarterback. Um, who was the guy that they we played when we were there, Griff? It, uh, before Noah Bedrill showed up. Um, oh, um, not God, we know it. Not the kid that was like the four-star recruit out of the same school as oh, that uh, Arthur Sikowski. Not him. He's at uh, Illinois no. now. Yeah, I know that. Uh, that's just who I was thinking of. Oh, Johnny um, Langdon. There you go. Yep, yep, yeah, Langan. So, so Langan and uh, uh, Vedral are splitting time, I've, I've seen or heard. Um, and that running back that, that scored twice against us uh, two seasons ago is still with the team. I think he's their most veteran rusher on that roster. So, Wasn't it like Isaiah? Something like or that. My... Yeah, something like well, that. Isaiah Pacquiao. I think uh, that's that's right. Pacheco? Oh, is it Pacheco? Something like Pac- that. Yeah. Pacheco. Yeah, it so, makes sense. I'm excited. Like, to, for our friends in the Big Ten East, um, I'm excited for you guys. Um, I think you guys deserve it. It's a long time coming, so hope you guys win three more games in Big Ten play and then get on a bowl trip. You know, I think I think they'll squeak out the the sixth win, to be quite honest, but their, their Big Ten schedule starts out pretty brutal. They play 25 Michigan, 9 Ohio State, 18 Wisconsin, and 10 Penn State. Oof. And so, what's their games uh, afterwards? Well, so that, that's through the rest of the season. They're not all back-to-back. Oh, okay. Um, so Michigan and Ohio State are five, uh, four and five. And then they play Michigan State, Northwestern, Illinois, Wisconsin, Indiana, Penn State, Maryland. So I think they'll squeak out the six wins against Maryland, Illinois, and Michigan State. I I don't want to say it. Are they playing Northwestern in Evanston? Correct. Oh frick! Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping they would win in Evan. Uh, it was not Evanston. I think they would take it, but never mind. But I don't know. Actually, it's only us, Griff. It's not in Rutgers. So I think for Rutgers, it's a toss-up between that and Maryland. I think. Uh, depending on how Pat Fit, uh, Patty Fitzgerald's squad holds up this season, it's I think there's a season where they'll have their down year, and then next year they'll go back up. But we shall see. I I really think they'll they'll maybe squeak out that sixth win though. I can see it. Yeah. Michigan State's not too impressive. Illinois is not impressive, and Maryland isn't too impressive yet. Maybe I'm disrespecting Tagovailoa, but I, to be honest, I think the only thing that's good about their team is the quarterback on Maryland. That's it. I'm sorry, Fair enough. Maryland. I don't like the rest of your roster. Um, but yeah. Anyway, 
Why are we talking about the Big Ten East? Yeah. This is a golf podcast. Yeah, I know. But just a quick shout out to our friends in New Jersey. Uh, next up, um, touch on some golfers in the pros. Uh, week one was this past week. Uh, what did you watch the Monday night stream with um, Eli and Payne Manning? I watched it for about five minutes. I'm like, this is dumb, and I'm switching it to the regular broadcast. I honestly didn't enjoy it that much. Oh, I did. I think you. Uh, once they got, I, I kept watching. I enjoyed it more than the Monday Night Booth, if I'm being quite honest. So, uh, I had a blast. But that was a fun game to watch. Went to overtime. I thought the Rays would blow it, and then they got the ball back and won the game in the end. Um, Sunday was fun, except for the Vikings losing. Um, but then again, Dean, all the teams. Calvin were- Cook wasn't fumbling the ball. But I will say though. Um, the NFC North all lost anyway, so we're all tied. So I think the Vikings still are at the top, though. Because of the point differential <laughs> for the yeah. points. Woo! So I'll take it. Um, and then, of course, uh, Tampa Bay beating the Cowboys on Thursday Night Football. And tomorrow, uh, I'm now looking forward to that game. I think it's the two teams in the Big Ten least. Uh, so, but on to some Gophers and the Pros. So I, w- I want to get this off my chest because I know how brutal the NFL can be, especially like, for the player. But our our, our boy uh, in special teams uh, for the Gophers back then, Ryan Santoso, had a very good week one uh, performance uh, with the Carolina Panthers, uh, going one and two on field goals and two uh, – no, one and two on extra points and two and two on field goals at the 22 and 29-yard lines finishing the game with seven points but because the nfl is business when it comes to the players um he was cut by the panthers as now a free agent they signed a different kicker named zane gonzalez from the uh detroit lions as practice squad because they don't want to give um the new york giants the seven round pick that they traded in order to acquire ryan santoso um so I that's that's brutal. Uh, I We're think, literally talking about a seventh round pick. Who even cares? Yeah, what like, the I don't heck? know why they're trying to say I'm a seventh round pick, unless you're Rick Spielman, but I don't know about Carolina. Um, but oof, Ryan, and I hope um, like like Wyatt says in the group chat, I, he hopes he finds a different job because he's he's making his kicks at least on field goals and the and mo, mo, and at least half of his extra points in game time so far. So, I mean, Zane Gonzalez, I believe he played for Cleveland a couple years ago. Um, I don't think he was that impressive at all either. So, because they, they got Cody Parkey now. True. The, double, the guy who double doinked is now playing well for the Browns. <laughs> so, you know, you never know. They, the Panthers could end up cutting Zane Gonzalez in two weeks, too. Yep. Uh, or three weeks, I think. I don't know. Uh, but some other names. So uh, Max Williams is playing for the Cardinals, a tight end. Chris Streveler, uh, third, a third round, a third uh, string quarterback for the Cardinals as well, did not participate in that game. Eric Murray, safety for the Texans. Um, Damian Wilson uh, and Devondre Campbell, both are linebackers, respectively with Jacksonville and Green Bay. Blake Cashman played for the Jets as linebacker, but unfortunately his season's already. Uh, He's already on IR, man. 
eight snaps in and he tear and injures his uh um hamstring already. Um so he's on IR and will be on there for at least a few weeks uh on there. Uh, our boy Antoine Runfew Jr. Uh, is still starting, st- still starting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the returning Super Bowl champions. Um, again, playing safety. Um, Tyler Johnson is still on the Bucks roster, but unfortunately, he is behind several players on that stacked wide receiver core, like Antonio Brown, uh, Chris Godwin, um, Mike Evans. And then there's spe- uh, speedsters Scotty Miller, and of course we have still Gronk, a tight end, um, in that receiving core. So Tyler, uh, TJ is still behind on a loaded roster, uh, only having a couple snaps last game with one target, uh, one pass targeted to him, which felt incomplete. Um, Carter Coughlin, a linebacker for the Giants, only played four snaps that night. Uh, didn't have record a sack. Uh, and then Benjamin St. Juiced, uh, a rookie this season, uh, is with the Washington football team uh, at corner. Uh, he made his debut and had a rough night. He played 58% of the defensive snaps for them, made 47 tackles. Oh, no, not 47. Made a, made four tackles and four, of the 47 snaps he played, uh, but unfortunately he was picked on by Justin Herberts uh, in the Chargers offense, giving up six catches and one of being the game-winning touchdown pass. Uh, and then, unfortunately, Rashad Bateman um, was uh, was injured during camp and will be on IR until week four against the Broncos, um, will be the earliest. The rest of the players on practice squads, uh, Rodney Smith and Kamal Martin are on the Panthers. Chris Williams is on the Falcons practice squad. Brian Body Calhoun is on the Titans practice squad. And then uh, former gopher Keandre Thomas uh, defensive back is with the Chargers, uh, but that's. I didn't even know about. I didn't know about Keandre. Yeah, I'm good su- for him. Yeah, I'm surprised Keandre is still on the uh, still out there, you know, bouncing around the NFL. But that's our Gophers and the pros. And I will say, I'm so happy to see this list widen, Griff. I remember reading just mainly what Max Williams, Eric Murray, David, Damian Wilson, Devondre Devondre Campbell, Campbell. um and of course, hearing about Brian Body Calhoun, Keandre Thomas a little bit there, and then I think that might be it. Uh, and now I'm seeing, you know, the guys that you know won a lot during our years there. So Antoine, TJ, Carter Coughlin, Ben St. Juice, Chris Williamson, Rodney Smith, Kamal Martin, uh, Keandre Thomas, uh, Blake Cashman. You know, I just love to see the amount of Gophers on the uh, in the NFL and. Two of them being on the Bucks Super Bowl championship team from last year. So great to see. Great to see. The list will only get bigger. And I just wish that it translated to more wins now. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, um, any hot takes today? Or if any takes uh, at all? God. Hot takes. Oh, I want to ask you this. What, did, do you think what do you think PJ may leave for the USC job? No. Okay. I don't think so. In like, I'm ninety nine percent. He's not a good year. Yeah, I, I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure he would not go to USC because I don't think LA would appreciate his road to boat thing for like four years, three years. Um, but I have I, I say ninety nine percent chance because there's always a chance he may leave. Right, so one percent. Like right. Him. I mean, 
possibility, but um, I will say this. People are saying Urban Meyer. I think he's going to sit it out and suck it up with the Jags for a couple more seasons until he gets fired or he quits. And then he'll go and then and then he'll take the USC job because whoever that coach is is going to get fired in two to three years. I think that's my take. You know, <laughs> I mean, I look at it though, and the way the offense is getting run, not that it's entirely on PJ because PJ is a guy that's going to let the coaches and their respective departments handle it. But like we, we don't stretch the field at all with long passes like those, that, that nice, you know, West coast offense kind of seems like it fits PJ's style a little bit more, but I still don't think he's going to leave. Nope. But that's just me. And, I don't know everything, so you never know. We'll find out. A name that I do like for the USC job, though, and I really like this name, uh, and I hope, I wish he got a head coaching job the last two years, but he didn't. Eric Bieniemy. Oh. Chiefs. His name has been popping up lately. That probably would be good for him. Yeah, Eric Bieniemy. I know people are spouting Urban Meyer, which makes sense. Um, he can rebuild a program at college football pretty well and easily. Um, yeah, and he can also retire in the same amount of time. Yep. Um, James Franklin from Penn State. Ooh, interesting. Another name that's been uh, out and about. Uh, that's it for the Big Ten. Um, at least, like, the rumblings are, again, PJ and James Franklin. As for other names, uh, Luke Fickle, I believe, from Cincinnati. Has been a key name coming out. Uh, Matt Campbell from Iowa State, uh, but I both sort of, of them are pretty successful right now. Yeah, so I I would I would have to agree with Joe Clatt. It has to be a guy that is okay dealing with the uh, uh, the because uh, you know how the NIL uh, name, image, and likeness got passed by the NCAA, essentially you're going to have college players that's going to act like NFL players because they have money. You know, they're making money. They're making possibly uh, – some of them are making more than some head football coaches or some of the assistants on the roster, uh, on the staff. Um, and, that's an, and that's a peculiar nature to do it. And I think uh, – I totally agree with – at least what Joe Klatt brought up was Eric Bieniemy. I think Eric Bieniemy, since he's been in the NFL, he also coached in the college ranks as well, that he can handle – those personalities and like uh, conversations with the player about, you know, pushing in, in the NIL situation, they're making money, you know, they're making their own decisions essentially kind of deals versus like before NIL coaches dictated what they did prior. So um, that's going to be interesting uh, dilemma as well. But uh, I heard uh, from what I've seen, USC is going to take its time uh, for the next one to two, three months to find their coach. Uh, I, I think they're hoping to get someone on prior to the, the December national sign early signing day. Uh, but we shall see. But, uh, yeah, but I agree. I don't, I don't think PJ's going to leave, but if he does, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> Eric, the enemy seems like a good players coach. Yeah. And, so. and he's an LA kind of guy too. So, Fingers crossed, but is, is he? Yeah, he's from the LA area, I think. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yep. But uh, other than that, 
I think that's all I had. Uh, my hot take is, uh, if it's not the enemy or like those big name coaches for USC, is some random coach I never heard of. Uh, I think they will get fired, and then two or three years, and then Urban Meyer, who will also be fired from the Jaguars, will come back and bring USC to prominence for like you know maybe three to five seasons, and he retires as usual. <laughs> I don't even think I have a hot take this week. <laughs> Nothing from Wyatt or Leron. So with that, let's wrap up the podcast. So again, for all of our fans and listeners, thank you for listening to us tonight for episode 35 on the recapping of our last game against Miami of Ohio, previewing our next away game uh, at Uni- University of Colorado, the Buffaloes, um, along with listening to some of our ramblings and takes today. Well, again, thank you for your time, and we'll see you all next time. And, again, I'm one of your hosts, Jason O. And I'm Griffin Most. And we'll see you all next time. Hopefully with LaRance. Hopefully. And Wyatt. Don't worry, Wyatt. I didn't forget about you.